Welcome to the Kickstart Garage, where we want to inspire and educate the leaders of tomorrow. Join us as we learn from the best in the business. Hello and welcome back to the Kickstart Garage. I am your host, Gavin Quigley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sam John Byrne. On today's show, we are delighted to be interviewing our very first guest as part of our partnership with the Magnate 100 community. So Gareth Flower, uh, one of our recent guests, actually created the Magnate 100 community in early 2021. And he did so with the view of bringing together founders and business leaders from various industries to provide value to and for each other. So we share that same goal to bring you insights, life stories, and advice from the best in the business. You know, it's our pleasure today to be joined by one of Ireland's most exciting young entrepreneurs and content creators. He's the founder of Fearless Media and co-founder of Ireland's first and only ever TikTok house, Thomas Arnold. Tom, thanks a lot for joining us today. Boys, what a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Can't wait to have a good chat. That is some intro. Holy shit, I feel a million dollars now. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll jump straight into it. And I mean, sure, we'll get into the go house and, and things like that in a little while. I, I wanted to start off the show by giving you a chance to introduce yourself. You know, you are uh, quite an impressive young man. Do you want to give us a, a synopsis of your journey so far? Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess like a, a brief intro, Thomas Arnold's 23, almost 24. Birthday's coming up in a month's time. Um, I've done a few different things. I don't know what you'd I'd label myself as, but you could say I've a bit of an entrepreneur. I've started a couple of businesses, uh, content creator. I've been making content on the internet since I was 12, um, which is the guts of 10 years. And uh, I also finished a a business degree in UCD in 2020 during the pandemic. So I wear a few different hats, but uh, basically I've been obsessed with like the internet ever since I could get my hands on an iPod touch and, uh, when I was 18, I started a video production business called Fearless Media when I was uh, doing college and scaled that up to about a six-figure business by the time I'd left. And um, like a couple of months after I finished my commerce degree, I started, uh, as you mentioned there, at the Go House, which is Ireland's first TikTok house. And um, that was sort of, I guess, the second business I've started and I'm still running now. And uh, we have plans for expansion and to do more of them this year. So um, that's sort of a, a background and I also love making content I've made over 300 YouTube videos over the course of the past like six years or so and um, I'm obsessed with YouTube too so yeah and I, and I think it's fair to say I mean you've got a bit of a, a knack for content creation and it's most of your background being around video videography or videography and um, like you said you mentioned they started making content around the age of 12 so tell us were you passionate about creating content from a young age and where did that passion come from? I think like I was just a very lonely and weird kid, you know, and um, like very introverted. Um, I was extremely skinny. Uh, I was, wasn't was exactly like the alpha male of my class in secondary school. And uh, as any nerd would do, uh, they reverted to their phone and their, the internet to gain some form of status of some kind. And, uh, I knew when I was 12, basically, that I had this like inner feeling that I wanted to express myself. And when I saw people making YouTube videos, I was like, oh, this is it. Like, this is what I need to do. So I started making videos. And at the time, they were actually comedy skits. 
And uh, my, I showed one to my dad because obviously when you're at the age of 12, you have to ask permission from, from your parents for everything. And dad was like, what is this piece of garbage? There is no way this is going on the internet. You're going to embarrass me, your family, your dead grandfather. You're going to embarrass the whole fucking clan of Arnold's. But um, he said, if I made educational videos around cricket, that was fine, apparently. That was fine for from my dad. So what I started doing was... I'd go onto the internet and I'd literally type in how to bowl a ball. And uh, I'd just look it up on Wikipedia and then I'd copy and paste the script onto like a document. And I'd basically build creative on top of that. So I would take the, the tutorial that was on the internet and turn it into a video. And at the time, like this was around eight years ago on YouTube, there was no cricket tutorials other than this guy Australian guy with a mustache and um I uh I it, like the channel gained loads of views really quickly like it got a quarter of a million views in a year and it was because there was nobody making videos against that search traffic and like with hindsight I was basically doing SEO like search engine optimization for YouTube and like fun facts YouTube is like the second biggest search engine in the world after Google so not a bad place to actually be posting content like that and subsequently, I think we've seen it with blogs and um, tutorials online. That's just a tactic that has been used, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat ever since. Um, but I essentially did it not because of the SEO, but because I just wanted to express myself, you know, and um, content is one of the great ways that you're able to sort of get your personality across in a way that I wasn't able to get across socially, if that makes sense. Like I wasn't the person who was saying loads of jokes in class and everybody thought was amazing or I wasn't the guy rocking up to parties being like, look at me. I expressed it in a different way in my room um, making stuff on a laptop. And to be honest, 10 years later, I still do the same shit. Yeah, that's a daily answer. You know, I think a lot of people at that age, you're trying to figure out what makes you feel alive and everyone wants to kind of find something that where they feel like part of a community um and i wish more people would do it you've you so many little kids now like starting being being online streamers and stuff i think it's deadly to see like i thought i saw a stat recently or a little infographic and it was like kids don't want to be lawyers and doctors anymore they want to be contact content creators i got a lot of bad press a lot of kind of negativity but i, I think it's deadly i think having that creative outlet is really cool um tom I've, I've followed you on Instagram for a while now. And something I love is the videos that you post of uh, just like things you learn on the internet. Anytime you see something cool, you just chuck up a story, which I think is deadly. Little tools and, and bits of tech that you've discovered. So I wanted to ask you, you know, what are some of your favorite online tools that you're using at the moment, whether it's like Google Chrome extensions or, or general tips for like better productivity? Yeah, like <clears throat> when it comes to the internet, it's only been around for like, I think Berners-Lee started it in the seventies or so, and it's had many different variations and, you know, you could categorize the past, probably since the Bebo era of 2000, the past 20 years has been like the era of social media. And with that has meant there's so many blogs out there where people just give their opinions on many different pieces of tech. And like every week, basically, I'll run through, I'll binge a bit of Twitter and I'll binge a few blogs that I like and I'll listen to a few podcasts. And uh, I basically am always tinkering with like new tools that I think are fun. So recent ones that I like, um, there's a cool Chrome extension by Jack Butcher called Visualize Value. He's an artist based in the UK. He actually 
uh, got a lot of press there recently because he was selling NFTs for, I think the first one he sold was he posted a tweet and then he made an NFT of the tweet. And as a test, he put it out to his audience and it was sold for like 10 grand. And then uh, he did another one where he took a piece of art that he'd already made. And if you look him up online, if you get the Chrome extension, he basically has like nice drawings, pretty simplistic, like minimalist drawings with a quote at the bottom. And it's just black background and white text. It's fairly minimalist, but it definitely cuts through. And um, he turned one of them into an NFT and he sold it for like a hundred grand, I think. Um, So he's a really cool, uh, and that's a free extension. Then like on a more practical level, I'd use something like hunter.io to, um, as like a prospect prospecting tool to find emails, um, would use a t- like, I'd use HubSpot as our CRM and the go house to like, uh, like re- send out email sequences to brands. They're pretty high level and everybody knows them, but I thought I'd share it anyway. And, um, my favorite blog, which I get to my email inbox is a thing called Benedict's newsletter. He's a guy called Benedict Evans over in the UK and he's been blogging for basically 14 years. He used to be a partner at Andreessen Horowitz, which is a huge VC firm over in America. They would have been the primary investors in Clubhouse, which people would have heard of recently, amongst the many other things. Andre, uh, Mark Andreessen, who founded that VC firm, he founded Netscape in the early, um, like the late uh, 20th century. And uh, he would have sold that for a lot of money back before the dot-com boom. This was around the time, like when I was born, where Amazon was really taken off, Netscape was taken off, PayPal was taken off. Um, he's a very, very smart guy. So um, yeah, there, those are a few things. But like if you just hop on Twitter and follow people like Naval, Ravikant, or um, the My First Million lads, um, you'll pick up a load of shit real quick. So okay, we'll just we'll transition over here and um, we'll talk about uh, the Go House. So for those who are yet to hear the story, do you want to explain to our listeners just how the idea of the Go House came about? So myself and my business partner Jake, um, we both run used to run video production businesses, and we have this office in Bagus Street that we share. And when the pandemic hit in twenty twenty, we were flying along like making good wedge from videos and excuse me, uh, really enjoying ourselves. And when the pandemic hit, those businesses got absolutely decimated. Like I had events booked up for the next six months that all got canceled basically over the course of like a week. And we were left scratching our heads, stuck in our houses during the first lockdown thinking, what in God's name are we going to do next? And we were doing these podcasts each week, basically for ourselves. We were posting them on Jake's page, I think. But we were just having conversations, no different to what I'm having with you guys now. And we were just thinking of like what the future could be. And one day Jake was on a run and he sent me a WhatsApp and he was like, man, I have this idea. It's so crazy. It might work or it might fall flat in its face. I'm going to have to call you about it. So he rings me five minutes later and he's like, Tom, Tom, I have this idea. And like Jake gives me about 27 million crazy ideas a week so it's it's not like this is something out of you know um something out of left field and he goes well you're gonna start a content house um and i was like all right makes sense yeah and he goes am i crazy and i was like 
uh, I don't think you're crazy. I can't, what do you want to do with this? And he said, well, obviously there's a hype house in America. There's no like real one in Ireland. I feel like this is going to happen at some point. Why don't we do it? And I just remember saying to him, there's no reason why I should say no to this. So I said, yes. And uh, he was like, the only thing is, I feel like we need to do this by September 1st or it's game over. And this was like July 7th, 2020. So I ended the call and uh, I sat down on the couch and I was like, how the fuck are we going to open this in 50 days? Like, that is so stupid. And uh, lo and behold, 50 days later, we had pulled together enough money to rent a really nice house in Balls Bridge. We'd pulled together 10 creators and uh, we'd started the process of like outreaching to brands and stuff. And uh, that first week of the Go House was absolutely ballistic. Like we got tweeted by a New York Times journalist. Uh, I know David Dobrik's in a crazy amount of heat at the moment, but he shouted us out. Uh, we got featured in something like 30 different media outlets, all of the media outlets in Ireland. Me and Jake went on TV twice. It was... Um, it got a lot of publicity and uh, we sort of rode with that for the next four months, really. There was many ups and downs, uh, but uh, it finished up there at Christmas for season one. And uh, that was our first foray into a content house. And we learned a huge amount. Yeah, I've been I've been following it. And that's actually where I first kind of heard about you, Tom. And I just thought it was, it was a deadly story. And, you know, I wanted to ask, because you, you mentioned a couple of things there, like you mentioned that you, you gave yourself the timeline of 50 days or that's it. You, you've come up with this deadly idea and the proof of concept is there. Like you mentioned, the, the hype house over in the US, you can see that there's serious potential. How do you go about taking that idea and implementing it in a way that that doesn't turn into a, a catastrophe? Um, that's a good question. Any endeavor in life has a degree of like as a percentage success and a failure rate. Um, some things are easier to do than others. Like I think some would, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to say that if someone wants to lose weight, the route to losing weight is simple, not necessarily easy, but it's simple. You have a caloric deficit and uh, you start exercising more and like you can use what, and you can lose weight and nobody's going to say to you, that sounds like a bit of a crazy idea. I don't know if there's product market fit for that now. And you may need a bit of funding. You don't, you need like your two feet pair of runners and uh, probably my fitness pal subscription to track your food. But when it comes to stuff like business, there's a lot more variables that are out of your control. And even when you have a proof of concept like the hype house, there's no guarantee that it is going to be successful. So we, I know this is like, you know, uh, way overused at this point, but we were thinking of things from first principles, um, which is the thing that has been like evangelized by a lot of different people, Elon Musk being one of them. Um, but we sort of set it up in such a way that we said, look, if we get a sick house, people will think, how the fuck did they get the money for that house? So that number one is a bit of a, like a head turning point. Um, number two, you get 10 creators together. They all have audiences that love them. And when they come together, they like audiences will like the cross collaboration. They like the fact that their favorite creator will have more opportunity to create more content. And you essentially give the creators like a set um, like a production set for them to create content. So it helps um, the creators 
and their audiences, which are basically the people who consume the content. Excuse me. So it helps the creators and it helps the audience. And then it just has to help sort of brands as well. And that was something that we were a little bit slow to do in Ireland, mainly because we were um, like, it was our first time doing it. We were testing the waters with, you know, what does the content look like first before we get any branded work in. Um, but essentially, you just need to make sure it helps and has value for every party associated in the supply chain. And um, from that point, we were like, yeah, I think that could be, you know, pretty successful. And look, there was definitely things that we did wrong, but overall, I think it was a net positive. And, um, you know, there's, there's big, I think looking backwards as well, the fact that we were the first people to do it in Ireland is a pretty big deal. And I'm not sure there could be people who do it again, but like, I'm not sure if they're, if they're going to do it. Cause, um, it's sort of, it's a ballsy thing to do because like if a brand was to do something like that, like if, uh, you know, Joe Schmo clothing wanted to bring all their influencers together into a house, um, the, the incentives aren't really lined up for them to do that. Like what is the benefit for them to do that versus just paying influencers to post? Whereas for two nobodies like me and Jake, um, we were, we set it up because like we wanted to run it the way we think is cool. And like, there's no real downside for us because who the hell are we? Like, we're just two random people who wanted to try something new. So we didn't see any downsides to starting it. Mm, yeah. And I remember hearing about it, um, I like to kind of in around this time last year, you know, towards the end of the summer. And I remember thinking, you know, TikTok, sure, only only kids really use that to make silly dance videos, the classic kind of boomer narrative. And then I downloaded it and I realized, oh no, like this is this is much, much more, you know, like I got caught in like an error just scrolling, just letting the algorithm take over. And I thought, yeah, no, this this app is seriously gonna take over. I think that it's getting close to like a billion monthly users, which is insane. But I wanted to ask, you know, how early did you guys see TikTok being the platform for the house? And, and how early did you start using it yourself? Yeah, like it's it's funny so many people ask this as if like I'm Nostradamus or something. Like it has a, a seventh of the earth on it. So it's not as if I was the first person in the world to figure it out. Do you know what I mean? Like there's only five platforms where people spend any amount of time on social media it's facebook it's instagram it's snapchat it's twitter it's tiktok it's pinterest and it's reddit and like um as you said there it's a good point tiktok was the most downloaded app in 2020 for like nine of the 12 months on the app store and um like the biggest grossing not grossing is the wrong word the biggest growth rate of any other app funnily enough was pinterest which I think is an under uh, underrated app that people should really check out. Um, but in terms of TikTok, like I was on it, I was on it four years ago when it was called Musically. And uh, to be honest, I didn't get it. And at that time, it was purely based around lip syncing. Um, it's doing a lot of lip syncing now, but at that time, I could just see like fourteen-year-old girls lip syncing, and it was very skewed towards young girls, basically. And as time has gone on and it evolved into TikTok around the 2019 mark, um, it just was the platform where everybody was blowing up. And TikTok it does this thing. Like, I always wonder it with these social media businesses, right? If I'm in TikTok, I'm basically wondering, how can I get more people to use this app? 
well, if I want more people to use the app, I'm going to need to create this sort of viral loop sensation. So I'm going to need to have it so that when somebody signs up for an account, they're going to want to get their friends to join the app. If my primary goal is for user growth. And when Facebook first started, the primary goal of Mark Zuckerberg, if you love him or hate him, was to get seven new friends to join the app within the first week. And that was the primary goal for him because he found that if you got seven of your friends to join Facebook, that you would have a high retention rate on the app and you would sort of stay there. And with TikTok, if people were to just think of how users use this, even over the past two years, I guarantee you, you've seen a TikTok on Instagram. I guarantee you someone has WhatsApped a TikTok to you. I guarantee you've seen a TikTok on Twitter. Somehow TikTok was able to growth hack in such a way that they were able to get the branding of their platform onto all the other social platforms without having to spend a dime on social media. And that is absolutely bonkers when you think of the likes of Triller, which is trying to take over stuff from TikTok, has spent millions on marketing to try and get it in front of people but it hasn't penetrated i haven't seen triller on instagram in about a year and a half because it doesn't have the same virality to it and what i think tiktok has really cracked is incredible ai and an incredible algorithm that forces there's a there's a thing that people use in silicon valley called ttl which is time to laugh and it's when you open an app it's how quickly you get a laugh out of that app. And TikTok have cracked that. Like the numbers around seven seconds. If you can get someone to laugh within the first seven seconds of using the app, they're going to have this endorphin, like serotonin loop thing where they know that when they go on this app, they will get enjoyment out of it. And then they will go back to the app like a rat who's or a hamster that's running around a hamster wheel. And it knows that when it does something, it can click a fucking button and get like a pellet of food. And it does that again and again and again in a hamster wheel. And I'm essentially saying that there are a billion hamsters out there who have all downloaded TikTok. And that's why I think a platform like Clubhouse is fucked because when I go onto Clubhouse, I don't know where to go. I click into a room and I meet a conversation halfway through. There's no real like virality to it. Half the time I'm disappointed with the content. And unfortunately, if that happens on the internet, people will never go back to your app ever again. It's the exact same thing with like a software product where when you sign up for a SaaS product and it doesn't work, you cancel your free trial straight away and you move on to something else. And it's only the businesses that can get product market fit are the ones that can actually succeed. And TikTok is the app that has sort of cracked that. And at this point now, it's like, I wouldn't say it's hard for them to fuck things up, but they're in an incredible position. They're growing at a rapid rate. Facebook absolutely sucks in terms of, you know, they may be pumping out cash, but it's not a user-friendly platform. And, um, you know, one, I've been going on a massive rant here, but one other really cool thing about TikTok is that it, it basically makes people famous. And whether people want to admit it or not, if you post enough TikToks, one of them is guaranteed to get 100,000 views because TikTok have built it into their algorithm that they want to blow someone up in terms of their numbers so that they think to themselves, oh my God, I went onto this app, I posted a video and I got a lot of social value back. I was rewarded with views and likes and shares. People like me. Therefore, I'm going to engage in this behavior again. And then you'll have a series of TikToks that won't do well. And then one will blow up again. And it constantly gets you coming back to not only consume the content, but to make the content. And that is sort of the double-edged sword of any social platform is that on the one hand, you need the content to be made 
and you need to encourage people to make it. And they have a very easy editor where it's very easy for you to make content. But then you also need to make sure that the content that you feed to the user is of a good quality. And they've done that through their For You page, which is, you know, the equivalent of like um, the Facebook algorithm giving you posts that it, it, it think it wants. So, um, yeah, I think TikTok is sick and like uh, I look forward to see what it's going to do over the next next while. Wow, that's really incredible and really insightful. It's uh, You've definitely done your homework on uh, who you're getting into bed with, I suppose, with the Go House, haven't you? But um. I, I recently watched your video, um, here's how the Go House makes money. And I know when people uh, start off entering into content creation, they're, they're often working a, another job to support themselves while they're building an audience. So for someone that hasn't seen the video, could you uh, talk to us a bit about how you lock down brand deals or sponsors and what kind of um, sponsors look for before, they, before um, somebody goes reaching out to them? So the Go House is a marketing advertising, it's not a marketing, it's an advertising based business. So uh, we have audiences based on the followers in the house and we sell advertising on the back of that. It's basically as simple as that. Like there's so many businesses that are built on that. The Irish Times is, and I'm sure when you think of the Irish Times, you think of some 150 year old man sitting in like a home reading, looking at a newspaper. The group made 110 million euro last year. Yeah look that up so media businesses are like big businesses and um it's all based on the same model it's just like have you know an audience and have people who like what you make and then sort of sell advertising on the back of that so in terms of like for us um it was a combination of you know email outreach to brands and basing it around certain criteria like are they um you know are they e-commerce brands are they um FA is FMCG fast moving consumer goods yeah FMCG brands like um you know foods and shit like that and um so the outreach to them with we had a cool video basically that we'd show people and uh then we'd book them on calls essentially and just tell them what the project is about and um see how they'd want to get a, get involved and get their products out in front of people. Um, obviously, we didn't want to sell too much so that it would suck for the audience, but we needed to make some money, obviously, to pay for everything, you know. Um, so, yeah, like a lot of it's emailing and like knocking on doors and DMing people, and it's incredibly unsexy stuff, like incredibly unsexy stuff. Like there's no tactic that will get you in front of people. You literally have to just get your freaking business in front of people whatever way you can um and i think that's grand as long as you have something genuine that you can offer them and something that you believe can actually really impact their business and as long as you're doing that and not being like a snake oil salesman then um you know i think you should be shameless about it i think you should get your product out and as in, to, in front of as many people as possible because you should have genuine belief that it can help their bottom line and if that's the case and your business can help the bottom line of a certain cohort of customers, then like you'd want to get every single potential customer on earth because you want to help all of them. So um, I know that's very high level, but that's sort of how I like to think about it. It's like create a valuable product um, get in front of people. So I used to work for a door-to-door sales company. And um, one of the big things I learned from that was um, that you just got to get in front of people. Like we used to... Um, knock on many many people's doors and um you know only a certain percentage of them are going to say yes because only a certain percentage of people it's actually going to make sense for them to buy your product 
Um, but you got to knock on those doors. And if you don't knock on them, you've no clue who those customers are going to be. Um, so if you're someone starting off or like you need to get your product in front of people, you got to be, you know, shameless. You just got to get yourself out there and you're going to have many, like the majority of people by default are not going to reply back. Um, but for the people who do reply back and, you know, for those people, your product is valuable, go all in on them. And if nobody is replying to you, then you don't have an offering that people want and you need to rework your offering. Yeah, well said. I, I've certainly learned that just purely from working in sales the last few years. It's just not sexy. You need to just set up automated drip campaign and just hammer out a load of cold calls. And if your content is good and you you speak well and you have the right value proposition, it's, it's going to work. Um, you know, it might, it might be a little bit too early for you to reveal your specific plans for the Go House, Tom. But I did see in your Instagram recently that you, you know, alluded to, teased about, you know, revamping the house, different people, different setup. Of course, you know, leave out the specifics if you prefer. But could you tell us a little bit more about what uh, what the general future plans are for, for the first ever TikTok house in Ireland? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we obviously did the first season of it in Dublin and it was really cool. Um, we want to do more of them. We want to do them in other places than just Dublin. Uh, we want to get like fresh formats set up and um, fresh creators Um not to say that we won't work with people in the past, but like, you know, get fresh faces as well and um, sort of set them up uh, around the world, basically. So that's the plan. Um, we've been quietly working away on that uh, for the past few months and uh, there'll be stuff soon that people can see. Uh, and I'm really pumped for it. It's weird having been like stuck in a office with Jake and the team for like the past three or four months, just like battering away at work. But um I think this summer we'll finally be able to see some of the fruits of that labor. So daily, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what, what the future holds. Uh, and you know, it, I think it's just going to be exciting no matter what you end up doing, regardless of what, what pivots you make. Um, it's still only 23, which I think is just absolutely deadly to see. And you know, you've got your own podcast as well, which I did want to just reference and ask you about. It has a deadly name, uh, called the move fast and break things podcast. I listened to a little bit of it. And uh, it's nice and refreshing. I've enjoyed from what I've listened to so far. You know, both yourself and Jake were already running the business and creating content for your individual YouTube channels. I wanted to ask what, what that inspiration was behind launching the podcast is on top of all those things. Um, like, well, I think when we first launched it, it was, it was in November. It was because uh, like me and Jake actually never had an hour each week where we could actually talk to each other. <laughs> that was one like it was good to have an hour to just chat and um also we just wanted to talk about things that we were interested in with regarding to business and i think jake's always been one of those people who i've had those chats with but that's not necessarily relatable to my other friends like and my other friends we wouldn't necessarily get into the same like depth of conversation like, when it comes to business and how we think about stuff me and jake are pretty similarly similarly aligned and we can riff off each other pretty quickly. And we have been working together. I don't think we've had uh, a gap longer than a week away from each other in like seven months. So at this point, we literally finish each other's sentences. So uh, it's nice to just get some of those thoughts out there. And only a, a couple hundred people listen uh, when we post episodes, but we get a phenomenal amount of feedback. Um, and like people who listen to it really, really enjoy it. We got awful awful hate on tiktok but uh 
TikTok is a bit of a cesspit in the comments and everybody seems to get awful feedback. So um, we, we took a break from it there for a bit just to, it was for no other reason than to just keep working on the house, but uh, it will make a return at some point. And uh, I would love to look back on those in the future and say, you know, here's what we achieved in the, in, you know, whatever year it is, 2021 or two or three. And we can look back on that podcast and be like, wow, that was when we were doing our first content house and look at how it panned out. So I just want to jump over here to, to ask a bit more specific question. I actually really wanted to ask this question back when you were talking about the algorithms for Facebook and stuff. So um, there are a ton of businesses around the world who had a had a very bitter pill to swallow uh, over the last year or so with COVID halting um, offline trading in many industries and expediting that shift to online. I was wondering what sort of advice would you give small and say medium businesses trying to upgrade um, their online presence in 2021? Where's the, where's the best place to start? Yeah, I think with this kind of, and it's a very good question because a lot of people are like, Tom, what's the, how do you do TikTok? Or like, should I run Facebook ads? Or I hear Google PPC, which is pay-per-click is like the way to go. And uh, there's many, The I think the truth of it is there's many different ways to, is the phrase to skin a cat. Like there's many different ways to get to a solution for your business. Some people that could be, um, you know, Instagram making nice content and running Instagram ads. Other people, it could be, um, you know, making a YouTube channel with incredibly valuable tutorials. Other people that might be making a TikTok page. Um, I think one thing that is pretty beneficial to any business is having some form of face to it. So this is particularly relevant if you're on a services business. So for example, if you are an accountant, um, one good way of getting extra business for your uh, sort of firm would be that you'd set up an Instagram page and you give out free accounting advice. Um, and maybe you'd start a podcast and you'd interview other people in the financial field or um, you'd basically have some form of content that people can listen to passively and allow you to become an expert in your industry. Uh, with that comes with a bit of like, you basically have to be willing to put out content on a consistent basis for a long amount of time. Uh, and, you know, trust doesn't come overnight. Like it takes time for anybody to become an expert, um, you know, an online expert in a field. Um, but that is like a really good hack, I think, because it essentially forms like your top of funnel sales function because if you can build an audience and people know and love and trust and like you as a person, um, then you'll become the de facto sort of person to go to when it comes to uh, your service in the same way that when people think of like a condiment to put on pancakes, they think of Nutella in the same way you know, people don't just go to uh, theme parks, they go to Disneyland. Um, you just need to become, or like another one, like um, people don't just get ketchup, they get Heinz. Now, having said that, I do get ketchup from Aldi and, you know, that's, that is what it is. But you want to become the de facto brand for, um, you know, your service. And the vehicle of that is through content. Like here's a crazy way of thinking about it but content is like the vehicle for anybody to become famous like arguably the bible itself and like the concept of god the bible is a piece of content it's long form copy in a book that people have read and it has garnered 
thousands of or millions and millions of followers across the globe but it is done through the vehicle of content content is like the oxygen um it's the oxygen for your business to grow and um you're going to need to make content as a business to to grow in any way shape or form i think you know in 2021 so um yeah i think that's a good hack yeah no i 100 agree and just on that about putting um um, a face to the business. I have a couple of friends now running um, e-commerce stores and many of them are moving away from the reliance on Facebook ads just because it's something that's very much outside their control. You know, Facebook couldn't just change their algorithms or whatever, you know, when you're trying to get exposure. And more of them seem to be going uh, the influencer route. And uh, I noticed you did a video on how to spot fake influencers. Um, uh, so for the e- e-com heads listening or for someone looking to leverage influencer marketing, how do you spot fake influencers? And are you aware of any tools to help, you know, audit influencer pages? Yeah, like when it comes to influencers, there's a few things. I think, you know, um, there's obvious things where people buy followers and you can see that by their comment. Their comment section might be a little bit weird. Like it might have uh, comments from all around all around the globe and there might be very generic comments just like smiley faces and stuff um but when it comes to influencers like it's about finding people who fit your brand well you know and they have to be people who you'd see align with your brand so if you're running like a drop shipping company um there's no point you picking someone who's just a luddite who doesn't like technology you'd want to partner with some you know, a young guy or girl who's really into tech and they might want to promote your um, promote your business because, I don't know, you might be drop shipping t-shirts and they need to get merch out to their audience and, and it's like a nice fit. Um, you, you just sort of go onto their page as well and just be like, look, are these, you know, for example, there are people with big TikTok followings who uh, some of them might have just had a viral video. Like they might have a million followers, but they're only getting 10K views per video. And that could have been because they had one piece of content that went seriously viral. And other than that, they um, they don't really have like repeat uh, audience coming back. But like uh, the flip side of that is, well, how do you find authentic influencers? You find influencers who have, you know, do they have a form of consistent voice when it comes to what they like to talk about? Um, are they putting out a lot of, good quality content and good quality content doesn't just mean linking cool like news articles like I would do it can be someone who's hilariously funny like that's very valuable or someone who's just incredibly chill that's also very valuable like Joe Delaney or it could be someone who's you know uh who looks incredibly pretty like that has value to it it could be someone who's incredible shape you know that comes to fitness so it's about finding people who are like authentic and have authentic audiences, be that big or small and, uh, you know, partnering with those kinds of people. And if you spend any time on the platforms and actually consuming these people's brands, which is essentially their social media pages, then you'll be able to gauge pretty quickly whether or not they are, you know, just there to find a quick dollar or they're there to actually build like long stuff for the long term. Yeah, I think, authenticity is is the most important thing for any business and it it you know you can spot fake followers and things like that like you mentioned with the comments but at the end of the day spend a few minutes look at our content and you can it's generally going to be either a one or a zero but uh tom it's been an absolute pleasure man and you know i think we'll wrap, wrap it up there i know we're conscious of time um it's been class to, to sit down and chat with you really really insightful and i honestly i mean this when i say i, I cannot wait to see what the future holds for you I think it's going to be 
an exciting decade ahead for sure. But for anyone looking to find out a little bit more about you and, and keep tabs on, uh, you know, any future announcements or anything like that, do you want to tell them a little bit more where uh, they can go to find out more about you? Yeah, I've gone a little bit dark on social media for the past while, but um, like there'll be stuff in the this summer definitely so it's thomas arnold on instagram then uh i've got a lot of youtube videos that you can binge through which has the same kind of energy as this podcast to be honest it's sort of like frantic and many memes are in the videos um so that's my youtube channel is just thomas arnold and then other than that um i've got a podcast called move fast and break things which you can probably binge with my uh, co-founder jake so um those are the main places. And thank you for the plug, lads. I didn't expect that at the end. That's very nice. No worries at all. Daily well. Tom, thanks, Emil, for taking the time to speak with us today. And for everyone listening, we will see you in the next one. Thanks for listening to the Kickstart Garage. This show is for entertainment purposes only. This show is for entertainment purposes only. No one on the show has provided investment advice. The information provided by the Kickstart Garage podcast should not be construed as investment advice. The opinions and views expressed on the Kickstart Garage podcast or those of the participants do not reflect those of the host or sponsors. The Kickstart Garage, its producers, sponsors, hosts and guests shall not be liable for losses resulting from the investment decisions based upon the opinions or viewpoints presented on the Kickstart Kickstart Garage.